6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Tuesday, August 2nd. I'm Annabella Funk, and this is your KVMR Evening News. Coming up on the California Report, California Governor Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency Monday in response to the spread of monkeypox across the state. Then in water news, Steve Baker looks at local and state progress to California's water problems. In Money Matters, Mark Cunaberti takes a deep dive into all things finance. In local news, we talk to the co-founder of Yuba Harm Reduction Collective on education efforts in the community. All this and more in the next half hour. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom has declared a state of emergency as part of California's ongoing response to the monkeypox outbreak. In a statement, Newsom said the state is using testing, contact tracing, and community partnerships to make sure that those who are most at risk are getting vaccines, treatment, and outreach. Among other things, the declaration will bolster efforts by emergency medical providers to administer monkeypox vaccines. Nearly 800 monkeypox cases have been confirmed in California, mostly among men in the LGBTQ community. Meanwhile, in San Francisco, the city's main public hospital plans to distribute more monkeypox vaccine today. KQED's Sarah Hosseini reports people waited in lines that stretched for several blocks on Monday to get the shot. After days of waiting for its next vaccine allocation, San Francisco received its total for the coming week last Friday, the same day as the city declared its own state of emergency related to the virus. The delivery included 4,220 doses, nearly half of which came to Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. Hospital officials say they administered 950 vaccines Monday. The few people that were turned away were told to return Tuesday morning, with the week's supply expected to finish by midweek. Officials say the city's new state of emergency allows them to mobilize staff, contractors, and other resources to help with testing and vaccination, as well as data gathering in order to identify groups at higher risk. At the moment, that includes men who have sex with men. For the California Report, I'm Sarah Hosseini. All right, we're going to turn to Sacramento now. No doubt tanned and rested, state legislators returned from their summer recess yesterday for the final month of the legislative session. Here to talk about the work ahead in the state capitol and what lawmakers have been up to during their time off is reporter Emily Hoven. Emily writes the daily What Matters newsletter on California politics for Cal Matters. Hey, Emily. Hey, Saul. Thanks for having me. So let's start with pending legislation. What are some of the highest profile bills with the biggest impact on Californians that legislators are going to be grappling with over the next month? There's quite a few. They are going to vote on some 800 plus bills um, over the course of the next month, which, you know, if they don't pass by August 31st, they're dead for the year. So kind of running through some of the highest profile ones, lawmakers are considering more than a dozen bills to increase access to uh, abortion. Another bill that was sort of in response to a Supreme Court ruling is a bill that would comply with the the high court's ruling on expanding gun rights, but would also make California's concealed carry weapon law more restrictive. Lawmakers are also going to decide whether to allow kids 15 and older to get vaccinated without parental consent. And this would apply not only to the COVID vaccine, but other types of vaccinations as well. 
They're going to vote on Governor Gavin Newsom's very controversial proposal to force severely mentally ill Californians into treatment and housing. They're going to decide whether to create this contentious board that would basically allow the state to negotiate wages, hours, and work conditions for the entire fast food industry. This bill failed last year, but they're hoping to bring it back again this year. So that's a very brief overview of of some of the, yeah, hundreds of bills are going to be voting on in the coming weeks. Is there a sense at this point in the legislative year, is there a sense that, you know, hey, the clock is ticking and we really got to churn through all of these or inevitably do say more than half of these bills get left by the roadside? It's definitely crunch time in Sacramento. And I think when it's crunch time, you see a lot of weird things happen. In 2020, there was this tensions between the, the state Senate and the state assembly that basically blocked bills from get, getting sent to the governor, even though it they were basically cleared to pass. They had votes to pass. Um, and this year, there has been some very intense divides in the in the assembly, basically among the Democratic caucus. The current speaker of the assembly, Anthony Rendon, um, has been fending off some challenges to his leadership, um, including by um, assembly member Robert Revis of Hollister. And he basically tried earlier this year to install himself as a next speaker. He said he had enough votes to do it. It ended up not happening. And so, you know, kind of behind the scenes where I'm hearing a lot of rumblings from Capitol insiders saying that that rift between this, the Democrats to support Rendon, the current speaker, and the Democrats to support Revis, his challenger, could ultimately determine whether some bills get silently killed and left on the on the wayside, as it, as it were, um, and which bills end up advancing. So we've been talking about what legislators are going to be doing now that they're back on the job, but you have also been looking into what they were doing during their summer recess. What did you find and why is it important that we know what they're doing? Yeah. So, you know, when the lawmakers are not in Sacramento, um, many of them are actually embarking on these so-called junkets that are basically trips abroad um, that are often funded by special interest groups that lobby these very same lawmakers over a variety of issues. Some of the trips that lawmakers went to this summer, the Irish Legislative Caucus went to Ireland. It's sort of unclear what they were doing, but the trip was sponsored in part by the pharmaceutical industry. A group of lawmakers also went to Israel. They met with political leaders in in Israel and, and in Palestine. And another group went to Maine and Canada for this sort of um, environmental research tour. It's just a, it's a really interesting thing what they're up to in the summer because these are trips that are very much out of the public eye. You know, I try to get myself to go on some of them to kind of report on it, but you know, it's not really open to the press, not really open to the public. It's not paid for by taxpayers. So there's not a lot of transparency surrounding it, but it's just important to note that people that are trying to get lawmakers to do certain things are funding these trips and um, basically having the opportunity to kind of share their agenda in in different ways and forms. All right, that is Emily Hoven. She's a journalist who writes the daily What Matters newsletter at CalMatters. You can subscribe at calmatters.org. Thanks so much, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. 
and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And that's this edition of the California Report for Tuesday, August 2nd. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. In local news, a Nevada County-based organization, the Yuba Harm Reduction Collective, is expanding its outreach to the community. I spoke with the organization's co-founder, Mia Coffin. So my name is Mia Coffin, and I am an outreach specialist with Yuba Harm Reduction Collective. We are a local organization that provides low barrier access to tools like Narcan and fentanyl test strips for people who use drugs in this community. We do outreach with a lot of local groups, and we train bars and restaurants and entertainment establishments on the basics of harm reduction. In 2020, our county experienced a substantial increase in overdose-related deaths, largely due to fentanyl. And so a group of people came together and realized that we needed more access to things like naloxone, which is the opioid overdose reversal drug in this area. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid that's 50 to 100 times more potent than heroin. So it can be put into a lot of drugs and some people use it recreationally. It's also used, you know, in a medical setting. It's a really powerful painkiller. But if you ingest too much of it on accident, you can overdose very quickly with just a very small amount. What does Narcan do? So Narcan is the brand name for a drug called naloxone, and all it does in your brain, it has no contraindications as a drug, so all it does is stop an opioid from sending you into an overdose. We work really closely with public health and have trained all now of the high schools in Nevada County um, on harm reduction and on overdose reversal. One of the things that harm reduction does within our community is to go to bars and make sure that they have Narcan on hand and that the staff know how to use it. So if you need supplies or you know anyone who does, we have a warm line that people can text and we deliver it Monday through Friday. Um, Deliver supplies anywhere in the county. Um, That number is 530-362-8163. You can also visit us on Facebook. It's Yuba Harm Reduction Collective and Instagram. Also Yuba Harm Reduction Collective. Now taking a look at your local weather. For those in Grass Valley in Nevada City, tonight is partly cloudy with a low around 69. Wednesday is sunny with a high near 94. The AQI in Grass Valley in Nevada City is good with an AQI of 25. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight is partly cloudy with a low of 52. A 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms mainly after 3 p.m. The AQI in Truckee is good at 17. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight is partly cloudy with a low around 68. Tuesday will be sunny and hot with a high near 100. The AQI in Sacramento is good at an AQI of 59. You're listening to the Evening News by KVMR. Do you feel like water updates might be slipping away from you? Steve Baker from Water News looks at water issues in California. This Water News with Steve Baker is supported by Clearwater and Filtration on Rough and Ready Highway, Grass Valley. Steve, welcome back to KVMR. I've always viewed your opinions and viewpoints as that of an independent thinker. It's your own vision of how we can solve our water problems. Okay, here's a question. How much progress has really been made resolving water issues here in California? You're asking for my opinion. So I guess today we're going to do a little editorializing. (laughs) Your opinion, Steve. All right. Uh, California water issues, as we all know, they're extremely diverse. It's it's really 
quite complicated. Somehow we need to satisfy 40 million people. And then when you consider the number of people that receive food from California, that's magnitudes of more people involved. Somehow we have to satisfy everybody. And that's a big task. We're talking about here in California, water source development, water storage. We hear a lot about that. Water distribution, environmental considerations. It's across the board, the, the things we have to be concerned about. And then, then we have to do all that with, uh, while still having an efficiency, an efficiency in water use and, and really good conservation practices. And then wrap all that up together, and it has to be at a cost that our society can actually support. And then you look at today's economy and you think, well, you know, how much room do we have to, you know, we don't have that much money to throw at these things. So it's very difficult. And then on top of that, another layer, the political environment, which we live in these days, has become so much more narcissistic than ever in the last hundred years, it seems. And that's become an impediment to solving water problems as well. So, you know. There, there have been small gains, of course, in localized areas like Orange County, for example, uh, with some of the water treatment, the, uh, uh, keeping the sea, uh, the salt water away from the freshwater. Uh, there's non-till ag farmland. Wonderful stuff is happening right down below us in Yuba County and in, in those areas. There's, there's some fishery successes. There's the creation of SIGMA, the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act of 2014. It's in mid, actually, it's getting at a very critical point right now. And then there's a lot of water quality improvements in both surface and groundwater. And there have been some great litigations, including in our own backyard. Okay, we have some legacy gold mine issues, and we're, we're slowly working it out here in our very own foothills. But the big issues like the Delta conveyance, it's just starting up again. Now it's down to one tunnel, smaller. Um, that's being proposed. Uh, lots of uh, the same disputes going on. California water storage issues. We need more dams, you know, things like that. Enhancement of the biological tapestry of aquatic life. That's a toughie. It's always, it's hurting. Uh, there's so many reasons for that happening. These are all improving at a snail's pace when you compare uh, with the needed speed to resolve these things. So, you know, there's this fella, uh, Max Gomberg. He's with the State Water Control, uh, Water Quality Control Board. He's not very happy. He said more recently, on, actually it was on his last day working at the board, that as a government entity, he said that, you know, we're complicit to correcting, to a correct res response to these problems, period. And he's leaving. What... Uh Corrective response is he referring to? Well, it was described as missing the forest for the trees situation. Uh, I believe he's probably he's referring to our, our governments being more focused on not wrestling the feathers of anyone that's, you know, than holding the line on what the basic intent of our state goals are. An example of that, of that might be that... Uh, you know, here, in, we know in California, we have a real serious water distribution problem, both natural and, and, and man-made. Yet we allow our discussions to go off topic most of the time from the intent of the water goal. And instead, we start focusing on uh, how much we don't want to hurt the individual group. And of course, it's important for everyone to know how much pain any specific group's going to get from a decision. That's really important. And we need to propose decisions that weight that into the conversation and come up with alternative dialogues with plausible answers. You know, we, we, we get 
instead too bogged down on these tangential conversations that have no ultimate remedy. That's a, that's a problem. We, we end up stalemating ourselves. Big decisions create pain no matter what. And for those, uh, for those in the paradigm, because you're changing the paradigm, that's a given. And so we're kind of stuck in that place here in California. Well, how do you uh, think we can respond differently and more efficiently, to be precise? When in dialogue with someone that has a genuine fear of the consequences that, that might result from a particular proposed solution, try to understand the underlying fear first, okay? Don't just step into, well, you know, my way is my way or the highway. Understand the underlying fear first and then start adapting. Get creative. Start adapting your own particular position to lessen that pain or even eliminate it if you can with that person and also with other water stakeholders. That, that would be the, sort of the, the goal of your efforts. In achieving that, uh, you need to find a common goal. It's really important. Most often, everyone gets in their corners, they create their own goals, and they get out there and start duking or not. Okay, it doesn't work. Find a common goal amongst all the water users. And then as you both find that goal and as you discuss solutions, mitigations, speak through your common value system as a group, not as an individual, as a group. That way, you end up automatically saying, nah, you know, good proposal as far as a possible answer here, but it doesn't satisfy all our community goals, our common goals, and so our value system. So, you know, we can't use it. We need to adapt it somehow. So it it helps you work through the the stuff that's really not going to work. And really, we're after long-term solutions, not short-term wins, which is what politics seems to be about most of the time. Well, Steve, you're very optimistic about human potential, is all I have to say. (laughs) Steve, thanks a lot. Managing groundwater is Steve Baker's career and passion, and that has led him into working on all water sources and supplies. This has been another conversation with KVMR's water guy, Steve Baker. You can email him with your questions at water at operationunite.co. Mark Cuniberti from Money Matters looks at the stock and Bitcoin markets and how Speaker Nancy Pelosi might find herself in a bit of hot water due to her husband's stock sales. More on the story from Mark Cuniberti. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. My name's Mark Cuniberti. The stock market continues to baffle investors with a hard down route a week or so back, only to be followed by some green in the days that followed the route, with half the companies already reporting earnings, although some stocks cratered on their reports. A few of the big boys posted okay results. Amazon, Microsoft, and Apple surprised to the relative upside. These investor favorites provided some tailwind to the averages, and the indexes rallied late into the week. Jim Cramer noted analysts and CNBC stock celebrity didn't go so far as to call an all-out absolute bottom, but did say Friday, July 26th, now is the time to buy stocks. Jim is a smart guy to be sure, but seeing as no one can forecast markets at any time, take his suggestion with the proverbial grain of salt. Prudent investors would be best to nibble instead of gorge, as other noted analysts forecast stocks will retest the June lows. Bank of America on July 29th, 
month, warned the current rally could be only a head fake. Known as a bear market rally, these brief pops can give way to further lows later on. Lord knows we have seen this movie before. We're hopeful investors get carpet slammed every time they buy into the enthusiasm of the latest stock rise. Meanwhile, Bitcoin turned off its recent mid-June lows of around $17,000 or so, touching into the $24,000 level where it about sits at this time of this newscast. Chartists, meanwhile, await Wave 5, Elliott Wave Theory Wave 5 as we call it, to occur. Wave 5 is a classic head fake rally which gives way to the final deflation which could eventually take Bitcoin down to about $3,000 to $8,000 level. Only time will tell if Bitcoin beats the historical charts and starts a new phase to higher highs or mirrors previous mania crashes and causes more pain in the days and weeks to come. And the news is alight once again with calls of foul play as public disclosures revealed House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's 135 millionaire husband Paul Pelosi recently negotiated about $5 million worth of the semiconductor stock called NVIDIA. Asked about her husband's decision to sell her shares given the timing of the House's vote on the chips bill, Pelosi's spokesman Drew Hamill told The Hill in a statement Quote, Mr. Pelosi bought options to buy stock in this company more than a year ago and exercised them on June 17, 2022. The big deal here is the Senate is voting on whether to give $50 billion or so in free money to the for-profit companies to bolster American chip independence. No one knows but Paul Pelosi whether he acted because of the proposed giveaway or just got lucky. But the Hill.com also said, quote, during a news conference earlier this month, Pelosi said her husband does not make sales or purchase stock based on the information she has. Hmm, makes you wonder. No matter where the truth lies, there's a push to eliminate such loopholes with new laws, but so far, certain members of both political aisles are fighting the move to present such restrictions. On the inflation front, last week's Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, which measures the change of prices in goods and services purchased by consumers, rose 6.8% in June as compared to the same period last year, according to the data released by the Bureau of Economic Analysis. The reading gets close to setting an all-time high, so inflation is nowhere near backing off. There was talk about peak inflation, and that hit about late May, but recently statistics have all but killed that theory a few weeks back. With this latest reading in PCE, it's this analyst's opinion inflation is not going away anytime soon. With consumer credit card balances soaring along with rising defaults on loans of all types, American consumers may be running out of rope. With the Federal Reserve determined to rein in inflation by continuing to raise interest rates, this may even put more strain on consumer pocket books and therefore on the economy and the stock market in general. Watching the market so you don't have to, remember this newscast reflects my opinion only and does not necessarily represent the opinion of this station, its staff, members, or underwriters, and is not meant as investment advice. I hold a Bachelor of Arts in Economics in 1979 with honors and hold California Insurance License OL34249. Our website is moneymanagementradio.com where everything is free. Our way of saying thank you for listening to your community radio station. My name's Mark Kuderberg.
That's our newscast for this Tuesday, August 2nd. Head over to kvmr.org and listen to an extended version of Water News on our website or on the KVMR News Podcast. Support for KVMR comes from its generous listeners and from Evans Furniture Galleries, family-owned in Northern California since 1966. Locations in Chico, Yuba City, and now Mill Street, Grass Valley. Decorating homes and offices with traditional to contemporary furniture, decor, and lighting designs. Evans-Furniture.net And Rick Kalb, Wealth Management Advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983, providing wealth management and retirement planning strategies. Also second opinions on current investment portfolios located on Spring Street in Nevada City. Information online at rickkalb.com. Tonight at 6.30 is Educationally Speaking. Then at 7 p.m. we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Tonight's Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. I'm Annabella Funk, your Evening News Anchor for KVMR, signing off. Join us Wednesday at 6 p.m. for another edition of KVMR Evening News. (laughs) 